This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MediShare. I'm Bryce Johnson with Luke Heaton, Henry Bienname. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life. With you, the Unpacking It community of sports fans. So glad to be with you on this last day of February. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. We've got a couple stories to share from our weekends uh, that we'll get to in just a little bit. But today on the show, ooh, the end of February means March Madness is heating up. And Saturday gave us some major madness in college basketball. What does that mean for the tournaments coming up, conference tournaments, and then, of course, the big NCAA tournament? And so we'll get into that. Also, during our Unpack This segment, I want to talk about how in the Eastern Conference of the NBA, the standings are so close. There is very little separation between first place and 10th place, first place and fifth place, fifth place and eighth place. You know, there's just there, – there, there's uh, – a lot of good teams, but where are the great teams in the East? And we're going to parallel that to our own lives and, and how, as followers of Jesus, you know, what it means to live holy lives that are set apart and, and different from the world. And so it's, it's, a, it's a good topic. It's a good challenge to all of us uh, today. So we will do that uh, in just a little bit. And then also Tap Drill is absolutely loaded today. A lot of topics uh, really, every sport has something going on right now. So we got off seasons. We've got you know Major League Baseball dealing with the lockout stuff. Um, even in Charlotte, we got we got soccer. We got Major League Soccer in Charlotte. How about that? So uh, and then of course uh, I want to talk about some of the big stories in the NFL. And I want to take a look at the the NFL quarterbacks, which we always talk about quarterbacks, right? We got to talk about quarterbacks. But which teams? should run it back with their starting quarterback from last year and which teams is it is it you know the decision should be it's time to move on from the quarterback from last year and and so we'll have some fun uh throwing that around and then the big topic I want to get into today the NFL broadcasting carousel have you been following this and when you hear the news of you know Troy Aikman's going to ESPN is Sean McVay going to leave his Super Bowl team and go be a broadcaster for Amazon? He's not going to do that now. That news has come out. But what do you as a fan make of this? And do you care? And, and what, what do we make of the ridiculous salaries that these broadcasters are making? So I don't know how we make the jump from, uh, from the podcast world to uh, – calling games for, for TV for $18 million, but uh, we'll look into that. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I just started thinking about it. Wait, these guys are making $18 million and allegedly 
And so that's like a million dollars a game. But this is more than than when the Friends actors were making a million dollars an episode. And it's just kind of funny to me. It's like, wait, the broadcasters are doing this? And I love the broadcasters, so I can't wait to talk about it. But it just doesn't all seem to add up to me. So I, I want to I wanna get some of your feedback as a listener, and then I'll, I'll share some more thoughts uh, in a little bit. And then also we will do I'm Convinced. What are you convinced of today? Uh, I'm convinced about something regarding Zion, Zion Williamson. So uh, I look forward to sharing that. But let me thank our presenting sponsor. We are brought to you by MediShare. My wife and I, we have been thankful to be MediShare members for over five years. MediShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance. MediShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. Been around more than 25 years, and they are the nation's largest healthcare sharing community. If you want to find out some information about MediShare, figure out if it's the right fit for you and your family, text UNPACK to 201201. That's right. Text the word UNPACK to the number 201201, or you can go to MediShare.com slash unpacking it all right let's find out what we're convinced of today and also luke you recovered you bounced back you were gone skiing this weekend <laughs> i'm so jealous of because i love the ski but how'd it go how was it well it was fantastic my body is absolutely destroyed Ooh. uh which is related Hard to my to I'm con- it's related to my i'm convinced but overall the weekend was great uh, all of my college roommates and their wives slash uh, girlfriends, we all went. And uh, one of them, they have uh, their family has a condo in Copper Mountain, Colorado. So we all got to stay there and <clears throat> skied two days. It was awesome. I felt like a grown adult. I keep having these moments of I'm getting married. Well, I've been married almost a year now, and then oh, I keep tight. having these moments of feeling so grown. So I feel like for the longest time in high, in high school or college, I look at these married men. I'm like, oh, wow, I wonder what that's like. And now I just went on a post-college couples trip, which was, which was a first. And it was so fun, but also it was so surreal. On, I'm, exp- I'm on a couples trip right now as a married man. So it, wow. it, was, very, it was very surreal, but really fun. That's awesome, man. I, I haven't – Jody does – my wife, she doesn't ski, so I, I haven't been able to get her on a ski trip, so – I did one big trip out to Colorado before Maddie was born yeah. uh, with my buddies, and it was fantastic. We almost died because not the mountain, bi- the mountain biking crew. No, no, no. This was my brother, uh, Colby, and then another buddy that lives out in Colorado. But we we exper- we were in the middle of a uh, avalanche and oh my gosh. Our, our life was on the line. Now, this was when <laughs> we were driving in my buddy's minivan and without four wheel drive. I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, it was death defying. Like we weren't actually maybe like I, 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 maybe we weren't like in the avalanche, but we were in the vicinity of an avalanche and we were hanging on for dear life. Oh, my like, gosh. Knuckling. It was scary. So anyway, so skiing <laughs> is always fun, but it comes with its risks. It, comes it does. With, so I'm glad you survived and, and made it back. So that's that's good news. Yes. But, but what, what are you convinced of today? Well, so related to it. So this is my so I snowboarded for the first time. Which it's also kind of funny. Madeline and I were talking. Do we just say skiing as like a, a as a, a grab all for snowboarding and skiing? Hey, I'm going skiing. Uh, I guess that also means snowboarding. I, I ski, so I, I yeah. yeah. I tried snowboarding the first time I ever went on a mountain, 
And then that was the end. I said, oh, I don't like this. I started skiing. It, I clicked. It clicked for me. And so I love skiing. So I'm a skier. So I've Not been cool skiing before this trip three times. And I, I will admit, I think I'm a scared skier. I get nervous oh, when I start yeah, going real yeah. fast and my knees start shaking. Again, again, I'm 6'4". There's, there's been some listeners that have thought I was 5'7". I guess I look <laughs> short on camera. But I'm 6'4". And when mm. I get going fast on skis, my legs are wobbling and I get real nervous. So I have always wanted to try snowboarding. So I snowboarded this weekend. And I'm convinced snowboarding is way better if you're tall. Now, this is completely anecdotal evidence. I have not looked this up. I have no idea what other people think. But if you're listening or watching have, have, and you are tall, have you tried both? Because I felt safer on a snowboard. Huh. I, skiing, I'm nervous that one leg is going to go another way and my knees are going to get messed up if I fall. But snowboarding, I have no worry that my legs are going to go different directions. They're always staying on the board. So I felt I felt more confident to be able to challenge myself. And I so I think I'm going to be a snowboarder going forward. My okay. body is absolutely destroyed. I've never used those muscles more in my life in 2 days. But I think in the long run I'm going to be a snowboarder. So hey, I, I would love people's thoughts cuz to we me to me snowboarding I felt way more comfortable on snowboard than skis, but I don't. So I wonder what other people think. Yeah. Those that have tried both, you know, I think that this whole generation, like kind of people that just are getting into it. Snowboarding is just cooler for whatever reason. People think snowboarding is cooler. Definitely. So I cooler. feel like that's the, the default first try. Um, but, but I still, man, when I watch, when I watch skiers during the Olympics, I'd very, I watched very little Olympics by the way, but I did enjoy the skiing. Um, but I, I, I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. So I'm drawn to it. And that's what I enjoy when I go out there. Yeah. I don't really fall much. But when I snowboarded, I spent the whole day on my rear end. And so yeah. that was not fun. So I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather go down the mountain standing up. <laughs> that's so that, fair. That, that's that's fair. where I come out on that. Um, I want to well, know, know the Zion take because yeah. I've been reading about Zion and hearing things. So I'm very curious what direction you're going to go with him. All right. So I make no bones about it. I add that to our ridiculous cliches. I make no bones about it. What does that even mean? But I make no bones about it. Whatever that means, I, I mean that, that I love Duke. I love Duke, as Coach K says. Uh, I'm a Duke fan. And so I have been since I was 10 years old. But Zion Williamson, I'm convinced, is one of my favorite Duke players ever. And he barely played at Duke. However, I'm convinced he should have stayed so much longer at Duke because he wasn't ready for the NBA. He wasn't physically ready, emotionally ready. I, I, don't, I haven't gotten into his mental state, but I, but I, I would venture to guess he, he just wasn't ready for it all. Hmm. And, and so he's already dealt with multiple injuries. He's, you know, he was limited when he did play. However, when he played for the Pelicans, he was putting up ridiculous numbers. He started in the All-Star game. And the idea that now everybody has given up on him at the age of 21, I'm convinced is insane and irresponsible and ridiculous. <laughs> Give this guy some grace, some patience, and to write him off that, that he's just never going to be anything is, to me, uh, outrageous. I don't know what other adjectives I can add to huh. it. But, but I'm convinced he will come back healthy eventually. 
he will get his weight together. You know, he gets he gets injured and then he puts on more weight and then it, it, it's, it's almost a vicious cycle a little bit. Yeah. But he has a lot to learn. And again, he's only 21 and all the pressure to take on the franchise. Not everybody's equipped to handle that. And let me also say this. When he plays, I don't know if I've seen a player play with more joy than Zion did when he was actually out on the field. Hmm. He wasn't, he was captivating to watch the way he played and how he played his attitude, how he played Yeah, uh, to me, whether he went to Duke or not, I would, I would be rooting for this guy. And so I read a great article today on, on sportingnews.com, And, and this guy had kind of this take. So I'm, I'm, I'm pulling some of it from his take um, because he was saying, all right, we could compare Zion to Greg Oden who he got injured and then never really lived up to being a number one Man. draft. Pick. Or we could compare him to, Joel Embiid, who got off to a rough start in his career. Injuries, people True. writing him off, considering him a bust. And Very now what point. he's doing, he's the favorite to win the MVP. And, and so huh. let's, let, let's be a, a little bit more uh, open. And, and, and so I'm, I'm convinced I'm going to side with Zion. And this whole idea that he's a bad teammate and all that, to me, I think there's more to it than just, oh, he's a bad teammate. I think he's wrestling with all of this. That would be my guess that yeah it's it's pressure you get injured and now you're like oh my goodness i gotta go through rehab again and it takes a toll on you mentally physically emotionally mm. and that's what he's going through to say oh now all of a sudden he doesn't like basketball he wants to force a trade he's a terrible teammate those are bad narratives that i think are are misguided is there maybe a little truth to some of that but let's get to the root of it so well, there you go so regarding I don't think he's this kind of drama king who's trying to force a trade. Like, he embraced New Orleans. It was no secret that the best-case scenario was he would have been drafted by the Knicks. There was reason to believe that he wanted to go to the Knicks. Knicks fans, if they had the overall—if the Knicks had the number one overall pick, they would have taken him. But he publicly embraced New Orleans. He was excited to be there. So I don't. I certainly don't want to feed the narrative that oh he he wants to get out of there. I think acknowledging his age as twenty one years old is extremely important here, um, because if we imagine ourselves in that situation, if I imagine my twenty one year old self expected to put a franchise on my back, not only with my physical talent but with leadership, like emotionally put it on my back, that is a huge ask. So yeah. there's he it's unfair to him to write a narrative based on all there's a lot of unknown behind the scenes. Like JJ Reddick has made comments that Zion's doing a terrible job. He should have reached out to CJ McCollum. That's neither here nor there. Um I think overall I agree with your take that it's too early to write him off, but I will say we should remind ourselves of the pause we had with a player like Zion when he was entering the draft. And that is how long can his play style last? Because Embiid, I think that's a great example of you battle injuries coming into the league, but then once you learn how to stay healthy, you can dominate. And that's what Embiid did. And now he's an MVP level player, but his game is not through the air. Zion to me is like a Blake Griffin type where for a for a handful of years, if you can stay healthy, it's complete domination. 
But Zion eventually is going to have to add a jump shot. He's going to have to add those factors to his game because you can't play through the air at 270 pounds for 12 years. There's just no way a body can last, in my opinion. But at 21, from 21 to 27, oh, absolutely. If he comes back and is able to figure out, if he's able to get healthy, he can have, what, six, seven years of this play style. But eventually, there's no way. Because he's a heavier guy. It's not like we're trying to get him down. We can't get him down to 220 pounds. There's no way. But <laughs> no, we got to get we got to get him down back to 270, you... 265. But that his play style that he can't have a 15, 16 year career playing like that. He's going to have to develop like Blake Griffin did. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm okay with a little bit of that comparison with Blake Griffin, just the athleticism and and playing in the air, but. I almost see a little Draymond Green potential there where Draymond Green does all the little things. And so when I watch Zion, it's hard to remember because he hasn't played in so long, but he would do all the little things too. Like he could score, but he can pass. He hustles. He's all over the floor. You can't teach energy. You can't teach effort. And that's the kind of player that that he he can be. And so that's valuable moving forward now I'm not going to start talking about a 15-year career for him so I think you're I think you're right to question that uh he's got a lot to prove before that but but to me he brings a lot to the floor and is he's just such a difference maker and so we as yeah. fans we should absolutely be rooting oh, for him 100, to get, get out there yeah. so to be jumping on oh, he's done forget it you know no and I, you know, I I keep at least a little eye on like trading cards and the value of cards and, uh-huh. and so you know the debate do you just get rid of Zion cards right now or buy low? I would buy low on Zion cards. I don't have a lot of extra money to do that, but if I did, I would. Um, because I think I think people are writing him off and yeah, I'm not. When he's healthy, he that's why he's so fun to watch because his play style is power. He is one of the more powerful players we've ever seen yeah. at the college level, at the NBA level. That's why, and that's why he's he's not this skilled finesse player, not that he doesn't have skills and finesse, but his main play style is power and energy. It is yeah. impossible to not love watching him play. You can't call him a bad teammate. If his play style is high energy, bad teammates have low energy moments and kind of take plays off. Yeah. Zion doesn't do that. No. And he Are you shoots a high me? percentage. He shoots a ridiculous high yeah. percentage, meaning he's not just coming down jacking it up every time no. either. Or forcing threes. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. He did at times. But overall, from- he's getting high yeah. percentage looks in the paint, dunks, offensive rebounds, layups. And again, the defense side of the ball, his energy, rebounding, the whole thing. To, I, I definitely agree with you. As sports fans, we absolutely want to see Zion come back. And, and then from the point of him staying at Duke, he actually probably could have made more money at Duke with all the, now with the NIL. In he hindsight. just kind of missed that. He kind of missed that because he but, would be an yeah. unbelievable superstar in college. But there's Duke no way national TV every game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he would. He, he couldn't would, have and, stayed though. There's just no way. I I don't know. To me, I hope that the NIL allows guys like him to stick around longer because <laughs> I think in the long run it benefits them. They still can make some money while being there, and then yeah. if you're at one of these bigger programs, you capitalize on it. Well, it benefits um, college basketball as a sports fan too. More, it's like Kansas has, and I'm a big Jayhawks fan, uh, but Kansas. Make no bones about it. <laughs> that's right. 
that's that's two on the counter for that phrase in the show. Yeah. Um, but can Bill Self is kind of he he doesn't typically the last few years have all these one and dones. Kansas has been developing players as a model, and I feel like we're starting to go towards that. The less one and done era, which I guess was more like the 2010 to that to 2015 range. That was the Duke and Kentucky. I mean, every year was crazy amount of one and dones. But as a college basketball fan, when you have juniors and seniors in the tournament and you have teams loaded with experience, that is incredible to watch. So that's what we miss. I think that's that's a fascinating point for us to, to keep an eye on. And how does NIL cause people to stay longer in college? That's that's very fascinating. The problem is you have to be really marketable. And like Wendell Moore from Duke, he, he returned. He's a soft, wait, sophomore or junior? I think he's a junior. Junior. Yeah, I guess he's a junior now. But I saw him in a commercial the other day for some random, <laughs> like, I guess it was a sports drink or something, some kind of energy drink. And it was just kind of a funny, a funny thing. But I was like, all right, well, he got it. He got a deal. Um, but yeah, you have to really get to that next level. And I'm not sure. And then there's a guy who's been three, there three years at Duke. But you have to really be able to get into the conscience of an average sports fan. And we don't have a lot yeah. of that in college basketball right now. But also the beauty of NIL is you don't even you don't have to have a national presence locally, local, like especially in towns where there's local businesses. Like I think of, of AM, where I went to college. There's a lot of local businesses where if you're an AM athlete, you don't have to have a brand that reaches That's true. the country. All you have to do is be marketable in your 30 mile radius and you're fine. You're making, you can make tons of money. So I think it it is possible to, it's, it's becoming really easy. I think in some extent to build a brand worth enough money to stay a couple more seasons. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, I hope that that's the case. No, no doubt about it. We'll talk about kind of the craziness in college basketball in, in just a little bit. But let, let's jump into unpack this, and I want to talk NBA, and I want to go into the Eastern Conference, and let's take a look at the NBA standings right now in the East. So the Heat are currently in first place, but they've been swapping back and forth with the Bulls. Now the Sixers are, are in the mix. They look good so far with James Harden. The Cavaliers are, are in fourth place, and they're only yeah. three and a half games back. They're the surprise team of the year and then you got the bucks all the way down in in fifth place yet they're only four games back from first and we know what they're capable of based on their them being the the reigning champs throw in the boston celtics who are eight and two in their last 10 you got the raptors who just won a championship a couple years ago you got the nets with the loaded roster you got my charlotte hornets who absolutely blew it in overtime last night losing to the pistons very sad uh, but they're in the mix, and they're they're ten and a half games back, but just you know three and a half back from seventh place. Mm-hmm. So the point is, there are a lot of good teams in the East, and there's very little separation. Yeah, nobody has really set themselves apart from the rest. Like, are the Heat head and shoulders above anybody? No, they're they're right there in the mix. Um, you know, the, the, the Bucks are going to make a run, I, I think, toward now that the, the second half of the season is, is getting going. And so has anybody, even the Nets, with, with this loaded roster, they haven't been able to separate themselves. They're yeah. still fighting really just to even make the playoffs at this point. 
of course they've had the injuries and they got a lot of issues there, but, um, but I think from a fan's perspective, we love this. This is a ton of fun. It's, it's entertaining. The stars are actually spread out in the East. Sure. There's Mm -hmm. a few extras in, in Brooklyn, but the heat has stars. The bulls have stars, the Sixers, the Cavaliers have a bunch of young guys. The bucks have a complete roster with maybe the best player in the league with Giannis. Mm -hmm. Um, the Hornets have some young guys, you know, with LaMelo ball and, and some excitement there. So how fun has this been for us as fans? Just the, the lack of separation and, mm-hmm. and somewhat parity in the Eastern Conference. Well, add in the play-in game. So yep. the top 10 seeds have a chance to play playoff basketball. And then when you take it that far, like you take it that step farther, there's only like four or five teams in the NBA that aren't in the wow. mix. It's it's That's it's it. unreal. Now even the, the West way more dispersion from top to bottom, but in the East, like you think of even the Knicks and the Wizards, who are sitting at eleven and twelve, they're only around two to five game backs games back from the ten seed, which right. gets you into the play in games. So it, the next this stretch, which is kind of funny, we're in the quote-unquote, second half of the NBA season, which is not mathematically true at all. Uh, But this post-All-Star break, the next, well, we only have 20 games left or so? It's going to be chaos. So it... I am am dialed in for the rest of the regular season. It's it's so fun as a sports fan. It it is. And so I'm in in the Eastern Conference with the Hornets, and so I keep, you know... my uh, clock, Eastern, Eastern Standard. So I'm watching more of the East Coast games. So, so keeping up with it. And so in general, it's a very positive thing. Now, the flip side, when we look at this, you know, there isn't a team that stands out above the rest and really shines. No team distinguishes itself as the clear-cut favorite in the East right now. There, there's not necessarily a team that you know, make fan, makes fans take notice as being the one that's emerged from everybody else. And so it's kind of like, yeah, everybody's just kind of the same in the East right now. And so eventually a team must rise above and separate itself from being viewed just like any other team. So who Mm -hmm. will that, that team be ultimately. And so here at unpacking it, you know, we take sports topics, we relate it to the Bible related to our own lives. And so we call that unpack this. And so when we look at our own lives, the question I want to unpack today is, as followers of Jesus, if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, do we truly stand out? Hmm. Or do we claim to follow Jesus, but our lives don't look any different from the rest of the world? And so the challenge and, and the reality is, if God has called us out of darkness and into a life marked by grace, love, and obedience, doesn't that mean that we should rise above the norm? Doesn't mean that we should be set apart and 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 different, and it doesn't mean that we you know live in our own little silo and we don't engage with people. It's not so much that, but it's that when people think about us, they realize, yeah, that guy lives a different life. That guy, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that guy loves Jesus. His life is is set apart from the average guy, the normal person in the world. Yeah, and and so. In, in 1 Peter Amplified Version, it says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Be set apart from the world. 
by your godly character and moral courage. Because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. And so if, if God is our God, and that's who we're serving and loving and, and, and desiring to follow, then we're going to pursue holiness, meaning a life that is set apart, meaning a life that is, that is different and not just the run of the mill. And, and so, you know, are, are we distinguishing ourselves and, or, or are we just trying to fit in to the world? Hmm. And, and so this, this, you know, kind of plays out in regards to what our priorities are, our values, our pursuits, our entertainment choices, which pushes a lot of buttons for all of us, our financial decisions, our relationships. Does our marriage look any different than an average marriage? Or because we are gospel-centered and chasing after Jesus, that our marriage looks different. Mm -hmm. And the way we handle our money and the way just kind of our relationships in general. Or are we, you know, even when it comes to just our attitudes in, in life, do we have peace and joy? Or are we miserable and worried and fearful? Do we respond to what's going on in the world the same way as everybody else? Or are we responding in hope, in in love, in, in faith, um, because of who, who we are in Christ and because of the Holy Spirit within us that allows us to be transformed, that allows us to, to actually be holy and, and pursue holiness in, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll pause there, Luke, and, and let you jump in. Yeah, so as a as in a way to a way to balance this as well, what we're we're not saying that standing out as a follower of Jesus is perfection. Certainly not saying that. Um, we're more saying that standing out as a follow, follower of Jesus in regards to the general direction our lives are going, because certainly if you and I reflect on our lives, there have been steps back we've taken. We sin every single day. We talked about last week. uh, Our topic was how we respond to sin. Being in Christ, this side of heaven, does not mean we don't sin anymore. But the general direction of our lives should be after holiness. We should be becoming more like Christ. We should be surrendering to the Spirit more. And the general direction of our lives should be be more sanctified the more we are following Jesus— um, because there have certainly been moments where I've, I've kind of equated standing out as a follower of Christ with I can't mess up, which is false. Um, so it's balancing that with also, yeah, you should stand out because the general direction of your life should be very different from the world. And we even stand out in our response to sin, like we were talking about last exactly. week. And so, yes. when, you know, when we do screw up, we're going to stand out because we're actually going to ask for forgiveness. We're actually going to admit our faults because the average thing in, in life is you don't own your mistakes. You blame someone else. And you know, that's kind of the average mentality. Mm-hmm. But if we actually say, Hey, I, you come to somebody and say, I blew it. I screwed up. Please forgive me. Yeah. Man, that that's, that's pursuing holiness. And, and we're set apart in that regard. Um, recognizing that, that Jesus forgives us. So we forgive others and, and, we're called to, you know, confess our sins and and place them, you know, at the foot of the cross and and ask for 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 God's grace. And so, mm-hmm. um, my my challenge to myself and and just you know watching people live is, okay, 
am I just like everybody else in that I'm, I'm watching the same stuff, talking the same way, acting the same way, listening to the same things, uh, responding the same way, or is it truly, truly different? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so often we want to be cool. We want to just be like everybody else, but we're, we're called as followers of Jesus to not be just like everybody else. And that mm-hmm. may mean that we don't watch the cool, the cool show on Netflix, you know, and I think that pushes people's buttons. They're like, I'm going to watch whatever I want. Well, no, no that's not, we, we're, yeah. we're called to a different life. Um, and Music's so I think, one of those things too. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been convicted of those, of those things in, in my life. And there's certain things that are, have been harder to let go of than others. Um, but, but I think if, if we truly want to live as Philippians 2.15 says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So what, you know, we, we got to evaluate our lives. Are we, do we look and sound like children of God or do we look hmm. like the world and sound like the world in a crooked and perverse world? Yep. Um, trust and me, I this, think, is, yeah. this, this is hard. It's, it's, it's a challenge. It's convicting. There's no question about it. Yes. And I, and another one, easy way, not well, easy, clear way to stand out is reading John 13, Jesus saying your love for one another will right. make you known to the world that you are my disciples. Um, so primarily, how are we loving the people in our church? How are we loving our brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we, I mean, just practical examples, are we someone who gossips about our brothers and sisters in Christ often? Are we talking trash behind their back? Are we? Do we have any willingness to serve them, to step out of our comfort zone, to help someone in our church? That's just a, a, a clear way that we read in John 13, love for one another. I also want to kind of have a thought experiment here. It's kind of processing this right now. We aren't standing out as Christians because, oh, we see the world doing something. I must do the opposite. Mm. That is an implication. That's not the primary. The primary is we follow Jesus, and a direct consequence of that is we are going to look different than the world in many ways. But our motivation shouldn't be, let me just do the opposite of the world kind of like George and Seinfeld just doing the opposite of his of his what he thinks he should do. Like That's we're not right. just okay, that person's doing that, well I must do the opposite. Well no, they may be doing something that's that's awesome. That's great. Our primary motivation is I'm following Jesus. My eyes are fixed on him. It's it's inevitable that I'm going to look different than the world in many areas. But that's the primary is fixing our eyes on Jesus, mm, not let me just try to do opposite of the world. That's that's good. Yeah, it's a so slight... I was kind of I was kind of thinking about that, and we can have our motivations kind of mixed up. True, but our 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 primary motivation should keeping our eyes on Jesus and surrendering to the Spirit, and then inevitably we're going to look different than the world. Well, that's right, and it's not just yeah trying to fit into a a Christian culture either. Oh, and that I right? have certainly fallen victim of that and gotten trapped in that. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to see it yeah. when you're in it. That's right. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, am I following Jesus and obeying his word, not just trying to fit into a box? And, and like you say, well, I'm not like the world, so I fit into this box over here. No, it's, it's, it's yeah, living in a way that is honoring to God and in obedience to him. And that's, and that's the drive. That's the motivation. That's mm-hmm. the that's the standard that we're 
we're seeking. Um, yeah, nothing man, yeah, not the man made standards. Yeah, because the, even the those fall short. Standards. The man made standards in in Christian cultures still fall short. That's right. So the again, like you're saying, the standard is God's word. The standard is the Spirit's direction in our life, and it's fixing our eyes on Jesus and becoming more like Him. And that is going to cause us to be different than the world. But our motivation is: let me not just reject the world. Let's not forget that there's still a lot of amazing, beautiful things. Like, this is still a world that God has created and still sustains and maintains. Of course, it's fallen, but we don't want to fall into, I must reject everything of the world. Um, obviously, sin, but again, like we've been saying, we have to follow Christ, and the what's going to result from that is inevitable rejection of sinful things of the world that's right yeah we just our, our desires will change and yes and, and then it's like yeah i don't want to i don't want to do that talk like that you know watch that listen to that it's like yeah i want to i want to honor god in the in this way mm-hmm. and i want to be intentional in my marriage so that it that it represents jesus in a in a in the right way that it's a light to the to the to the world too um so, yeah, it's, I'll end with this. Uh, as followers of Jesus, we have the power of the living God within us. So let's yield to him as he renews our minds and transforms us into beacons of his light. And, and so that then, then we, start, we start standing out when he's shining through us. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're looking for the team that's going to shine in the, in the Eastern Conference. Nobody's really shining right now. And, and so that's, that's the parallel and the challenge for us to, to stand out and not just to stand out and going back to your point, it's as we follow Jesus, we will stand out. Mm-hmm. That that's the result of it yes. um, to, to honor and glorify him. All right. So you can unpack that. Uh, you can subscribe for more devotionals on our website, unpackingit.com. We send those out in email form Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, this happens to be Friday's devotional. And then another one will go out today uh, about commitment. And, and so looking at some of the, the stories in sports, is LeBron committed to the Lakers? Sean McVay, is he committed to the Rams? Uh, so we'll get into that topic uh, in today's devotional. Uh, so if you aren't subscribed, be sure to subscribe on unpackingit.com. So the big story I want to talk about today, because we're sports fans, we look at things through the lens of being a sports fan. But as I've told you countless times, I am a broadcasting nerd. <laughs> I studied broadcasting in college. I, when I set out on my career path, I wanted to, to at one point I wanted to be Bob Costas. At one point I wanted to be Dan Patrick. Um, and so I set out to do that. Now God has, has kind of changed my desires. And as I follow him, he's led me to do ministry. And, and thankfully I still get to do podcasts, still get to do a podcast and do broadcasting. And it's, and it's awesome. Um, but I still look at the big broadcasting elements to the sports world and the sports landscape. And of course the NFL is King and they're in the middle of this crazy carousel. Like we've never seen before. We've seen Al Michael switch from networks. We've seen John Madden switch networks, but we've never seen somebody as big as Amazon enter into the conversation in such a big way that they are. Everything at the same time. There's been moves at the same time happening. There's a huge shift going on. And, and so Troy Aikman, it looks like he's the first domino 
And I don't think it's 100% confirmed, but it seems like it's heading that way to where he's going to ESPN to take over Monday Night Football Mm -hmm. as an analyst. So that means he leaves this big hole with Fox. Joe Buck, his former partner, does Joe follow him to ESPN? Does somebody get promoted within Fox? Does Fox then go try to poach somebody else from CBS or NBC? Or, you know, where does Al Michaels, his contract is up with NBC, so he goes somewhere. He's going to go somewhere. He may go to Amazon. Um, There are guys like Sean Payton who are now available to enter the broadcasting world. Even Tom Brady, his name gets thrown around. Sean McVay, his name was thrown out there, but he's now returning to the Rams, which was crazy to even think that a 36-year-old that just won the Super Bowl would actually walk away from coaching to then be a broadcaster. So all of this is going on. And you have guys that are potentially getting promotions the Greg Olson's of the world what's going to happen with a guy like Kevin Burkhart is he going to be a number one so there's there's just so much unknown right now now in the broadcasting world it's it's fascinating but also so fascinating that wow sports it's not just about the game now for some of us we are diehards and we just we we love to watch the game but sports, sports and broadcasting are are linked. You cannot separate them. It, game, sports are entertainment, and it's it's kind of crazy how broadcasting is a huge piece of the puzzle in in, in for an entertaining game. You cannot have no broadcasting. I've seen games where they just turn off or like YouTube videos where they just remove the broadcasters and it's just the crowd yeah. noise. Oh, yikes. And you can't have have bad broadcasting either. Good good broadcasting is a must. Even So I'm I'm all for the the experimenting with different things. And so TNT tried players-only broadcast. It didn't work. It wasn't good. Because you got to have an actual play-by-play guy that's a legit professional that keeps the the plays going. Um, And so they tried that. But my question for us as sports fans is... Yeah, how much do fans pay attention to broadcasters and how much of a difference do we hear in the quality of the broadcasters? And so when a game is going on, do we go, wow, Jim Nance, this guy is unbelievable. Like, this is a great game with him and Tony Romo, and and it stands out. It's it's set apart from the game with, you know, uh, an average, well, he's still an unbelievable broadcaster, but we'll call it, you know, third or fourth on the roster for, mm-hmm. for a CBS or a Fox, do you as a fan notice the difference? And do you care? And and then, you know, is it more, I was listening to the radio today and, and this this producer, he was talking, he was on the Damon Amendolora show. Um, but he was saying how the reason ESPN is trying to get, you know, get Troy Aikman and make this a big deal is they're tired of being embarrassed or getting ridiculed for their broadcast. And so it's not even so much that you have to have this great one because it moves the needle or it gives you more viewers. That may not be the case with social media these days. You just don't want to be, you know, mocked and ridiculed, which sadly, because I I like Jason Witten, that was kind of the case with him and Booger McFarlane. And then, you know, last year, I think with the Steve Levy crew, it was so vanilla that they didn't move the needle at all. Like they're just, it wasn't talkable. And you mm-hmm. want to have a product, especially if you're going to invest as much as these you know, broadcasting companies invest, 
you want it to be talk, talkable and relevant and yeah. to know, like, with TNT basketball, if Charles Barkley and Ernie and Shaq and Kenny are doing the halftime and pregame and all that, I'm tuning in. I'm tuning in. And Definitely. I even tune in more for them than I do for the actual game, but it all kind of goes together. And, and then with, I think over the years with Monday Night Football, it's lost its luster, and I don't care as much about it. That's why I got so excited about the Peyton Manning broadcast because I was all in, in with that. Yeah, so, well, I, see, I, we, I think we do notice the difference, and I think the Manning cast helped bring that out because I was conflicted with I'm used to hearing a play-by-play guy, and but the Manning cast, there's no play-by-play. It's, it's a completely different form of entertainment. Now, I love the Manning cast, but I think you notice because a really good play-by-play guy is huge. Like, like, why do we love Gus Johnson? Because his energy is second to none, and you notice that. Why do we love a guy like Jim Nance? Because his voice is is iconic. It's it's in a league of its own, and he's really good about knowing when to not talk, knowing when to talk for big moments. And when a broadcaster is talking over a big moment, you notice that. Mm. I also think throughout this whole broadcasting carousel is money talks in a way that I did not realize. So regarding Troy Aikman, the rumors of it's going to be Tony Romo money, which is like $18 million a year, which is absurd. But think of what Troy Aikman's leaving. He's leaving Fox, which has what two out of the next three Super Bowls. So and he, he calls the Cowboys and, every week, and he so he gets to call good games every week. He gets to have a conference championship game every year, and the next three years, I think he gets two Super Bowls if he stays with Fox. ESPN, he goes to a network where it's Monday Night Football, which has some really bad games some Monday nights. You are now competing with the Manning cast for ratings every mon- most Monday nights, ten, ten and weeks. you have less Super Bowls. So Aikman's leaving a way better broadcasting situation for because ESPN is throwing unbelievable amounts of money at him that Fox is not going to match. So it's crazy that for me— why would you leave the Fox situation? If it's about broadcasting, you, that there is arguably no better situation for Troy Aikman. But ESPN's paying him way more money. So it's just kind of fascinating to me. It, it is, and because I don't see the value. Like, I would love to look at the numbers, too. Like, it just doesn't add up to me that these guys can make that much money, that there's, there's that much left over. I know. When they aren't the reason you're tuning in. Like... So this whole conversation about, oh, should Aaron Rodgers be the highest paid player in the NFL and, and demand $50 million or whatever? Well, yeah, because you're tuning in to watch Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Like, so, so I'm not tuning in to listen to Troy Aikman. Now, I still value great broadcasters, and I think they should have yeah. you know, the best of the best. And, and You still have the- to have great broadcasters, but you're not tuning in for them. No, but so I'm fine. Like, I don't care if people make a lot of money. That's fine. If, if, the, if there's value there and there's money to be paid, great. Go for it. So I'm not like, I don't, I just, I, for me as a fan, I don't get it. I don't, I just don't understand where that 16 million or 18 million is just laying around all of a sudden 
guys like Romo and Aikman can make that much. You know, mm-hmm. I understand a few million dollars and that kind of thing because in TV, that's kind of what guys make. Um, but this is like on a whole nother level. There were Amazon allegedly offered Sean McVay a hundred million dollars to be their lead broadcaster, and he's never broadcasted anything. Yeah, I, 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 that, that's just that's just mind blowing. So it's that's why. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by all this, but I'm, I, I bring up this topic to even ask those that are listening, you know, are you intrigued? Like, do you follow this? Do you care if Kirk Herbstreet now adds an Amazon game? Because he could end up doing a Thursday NFL game and keep his Saturday night college football and college game day. Yeah, I don't know how um, he would make <laughs> That sounds exhausting to me. Like, because when he called... Which NFL game did he call? And we were we were talking. I mean, what now, are you doing? It was a playoff game. It was a playoff Go. game. I didn't like it. So now I love her. I think Herb Street's great, and I think him and Al Michaels would be awesome. I'm sad that we're gonna not we're not gonna have Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth anymore. But it sounds like Mike Tirico is gonna fill in for Al Michaels, and it's gonna be Tirico and Collinsworth, which I think will be good. I think Mike Tirico is really good. Um, he's also talk about like diverse abilities. To go from the Olympics and then now to Sunday night football. And he did Monday night football. Like these guys are national treasures to be able to do that diverse broadcasting. That's pretty impressive. I think Fox has to be terrified right now because it really does sound like Aikman's going to be going to sign with ESPN. It's just a matter of time. They're good. They're going after Joe Buck. They're trying to bring Aikman and Buck to ESPN Fox, what are you going to do? Is it going to be Burkhart and Olsen? Yeah, that which I'm fine huge, with. Which, now, I, oh, I do I think, think they're that, good, the but talk about big shoes to fill. Big I, shoes to fill. To me, Greg Olsen, I think both those guys are, are fantastic. So I, like, I guess, I, I, mean, I agree with you, those are big shoes, but I think those two guys can absolutely fill it. Those guys are, are good. There's good chemistry. I thought Greg Olsen was absolutely fantastic. And not just because I'm a Panthers fan. <laughs> I thought he was, I just thought he was really, really good. Well, yeah, um, no, he he redeemed the tight end broadcasting position after did. Jason Witten. He did. Ah. I'm not, I'm not even a big Tony Gonzalez fan. He he does some like studio work. He's kind of vanilla yeah. for me. He, he doesn't bring a lot. He I he never has notes in front of him. He always <laughs> wings it. But anyway, that's a side note. Um <laughs> now some of these guys have stacks of notes and they don't even know what they say, but yeah. At least appear like you, you, you're you're somewhat prepared here, mm-hmm. um, but I so I hope that happens. And then I'm also fascinated where Sean Payton ends up. Does he go to Amazon? Does he go to a studio? Or does he go in in the booth? Or Drew Brees jumping right in? Drew it's Brees, how- Drew Brees, and Sean Payton could be competing for a job right now. Whereas oh, yeah. a couple oh. years ago, Sean Payton was coaching Drew Brees. So wow. that's another fascinating angle. That is, gosh, that's amazing. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll talk about this topic probably again at, at some point. Um, thankfully, the Manning cast, uh, it's going to be around for a couple more years, and I think that continues to grow, and that audience grows for sure. Definitely. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's real quickly do the, the MetaShare moment of the week, and in the coming weeks, we will talk a lot more college basketball. Don't you worry. Because uh, I absolutely love March Madness. I was talking to my brother yesterday, and he he was kind of poo pooing college basketball oh. at this point, like in the regular season. No. And I'm like, man, even if you don't like the regular season, I get it. But March Madness always delivers. And and well, here's yeah. the moment. Here's the moment of the week because Saturday 
we saw seven, <laughs> seven of the top 10 AP ranked college basketball teams go down. We are days. I mean, I guess all the conference uh, or a number of conference tournaments start this week. The other one's starting next week with March Matt with the uh, official tournament right yep. around the corner. Well, we March Madness is great, but we forget that championship week is unreal. Especially if you go if you go to watching the smaller conference, who the winners of those tournaments are getting bids to March Madness. I mean, this is an this is an unbelievable time in college basketball. Yeah. No, it, it really is. And so we've known over the last couple of years, kind of back to that whole topic when we were talking about in the NBA and the Eastern Conference, there's not much separation. That's what kind of speaks to, hey, seven of the top 10 teams went down. Yeah, and so if we're seeing that, you know, the last Saturday in February, that should be expected to happen in the tournament. And what do we love about the tournament? We do love the upsets. Yeah. And and we, you know, we love seeing the, the traditional teams in the mix as well. So we always want a Kentucky or Kansas or a Duke or UNC to at least be competing. We don't want them all out, but the fact that it's possible and that nobody's running away with it. Um, I remember one of the, uh, this will sound funny as a Duke fan, but one of the years when Carolina just ran through the tournament must've been like, Oh nine, probably Tyler Hansborough was probably, mm. probably the guy. They just dominated and it just kind of lost its luster a little bit. So to me, if we can see, Yo, all right, Gonzaga, number one seed, down. Arizona, two seed. Auburn, three seed, or ranked third in the country. Purdue, fourth in the country. Kansas, your Kansas Jayhawks, fifth in the country. Yeah. Kentucky, sixth. Texas Tech, ninth. They're all beatable. And so that's the, the MetaShare moment of the week for me, where I actually think for a couple of these teams, especially Gonzaga, that's a great loss. It's a nice, humbling loss before yep. the conference tournaments begin. Because yep. sometimes teams deal with that, but it's almost like eh, you want to kind of turn it up a notch once the conference tournaments begin and carry that momentum into the tournament. Whereas this gives you the wake-up call. Now you gear up for the championship and you're you're ready to go. Yeah. For the, for and the it's also not a bad loss. Like St. Mary's is good. They're True. a ranked team. And I think they're uh, maybe four losses on the season. Like St. Yeah, Mary's a, is a yeah. really good team. So, gosh, if... I almost feel like you should that Gonzaga should have more people pick them to win it all this season because of this loss. Uh, yeah. I mean they I, they return Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren. Uh, I mean they have they return other players. I mean gosh, and now with a a loss to learn from against a conference rival, I mean goodness, this could propel them. Man, but uh, to your point Guys, I guess parity is just contagious because in all the leagues we've talked about in the last, what, year, I feel like, on this podcast, there has been, I mean, unbelievable things in sports. And now college basketball, again, seeing this many top 10 teams lose on the same weekend on the brink of March Madness. I mean, what, can we ask for anything more? This is the chaos we want. I have I no idea so. who's going to win. I know I'm going to lose the bracket challenge to my wife, to my mom, <laughs> to my sister, like I do every year. I know I'm going to overthink teams into the Final Four, which one year I put Drake into the Final Four, which I, I don't even know how I talked myself into that. But should admit that. Yeah. I'll gladly admit that. All right. um, I know I'm going to lose the bracket challenge. So maybe this year, 
I'm going to put way less thought into it and just enjoy the chaos that we are about to experience. I, I cannot wait. So there you go. Seven of the top 10 teams in college basketball, men's college basketball, go down. That's your MetaShare moment of the week. And we're thankful to MetaShare for being our presenting sponsor. Uh, you can text UNPACK to the number 201201, uh, or you can go to metashare.com slash unpacking it. Uh, again, you can text the word UNPACK to the number 201201, or go to metashare.com slash unpacking it to find out if MetaShare is right for you and your family. All right, let's say hello to Henry Bieniemy. And let's do a little tap drill. A couple of the other topics we haven't had a chance to get to today. Man, this has been a loaded show. And who would have thought this is supposed to be like the downtime right before March Madness. We got Not with of- us. We always got yeah. things to chop it up about. Absolutely. Chop it who, up. Who would have thought March Madness would have started before March Madness? Seven teams going down. Insane. It's Mom, crazy. Fun. I love it. Now, the question really is then, how does that, how does that uh, dictate – for the Sunday selection show that comes out afterwards. Will this will this uh will these losses affect them on uh, their on their bracket lines? Like uh I don't know if you guys saw the the newest rankings came out. Uh uh Bryce, your Duke Blue Devils moved up to number four. They're from rising. number seven. They're playing well. They're playing well. No, I gotta there's gonna be some movement. Like there's so all the, the the top 10 12 teams are so close. Like cuz Baylor thought... can't Baylor just beat Kansas and before that game Baylor was expected to be a 3 seed, Kansas a 2 seed or a 1 seed. But could they flip? Like there's there's going to be a lot of movement down the stretch. Yeah, so I don't I, I'm not even necessarily worried as much about the seeding. What I always get concerned about is how loaded a specific region is. So that's that's where it gets concerning. Hmm. Um where if you end up with you're like oh man you got to be kidding me I'm I'm with these three or four you know, kind of juggernaut teams yeah. that makes me nervous so or if you're a Duke fan you just don't want to lose to Lehigh or Mercer we don't want any of those teams or or uh, Belmont or what was the team what was the team is that the Belmont or Le- Lehigh yeah well definitely well, it was, it was CJ McCollum's Lehigh I remember that game or 15, or 15 seed. I blocked it out there was one other team I or Loyola think. coming out of nowhere and just True. dropping teams left and right. True. Yeah, it's got, I, I can't wait. I love it. So. All right, boys. I don't know if you know any doctors or if you're near an emergency, an emergency room near there, but we have an emergency situation. Okay. Um, I haven't, if you haven't heard, baseball, and this is what I'm convinced of, baseball is about to flatline. Okay. Ooh. With, if the, if the players and the owners don't get it right today, and if baseball starts late, baseball is was already falling as it is with with basketball being what it is and football being as Stephen A. Smith says anything short of religion at this point. And you even and now even MLS has just started up again, and baseball oh, yeah. is about to cancel the first week of the season. So my question to you boys is: is that one, do we really care? And two, is this the end of baseball as we know it? Well, it's very, it's very concerning. And as somebody who, you know, when I was growing up in the 90s, I thought baseball was awesome. It was a great era of baseball. And 
you know, I got really into the whole Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa and all that. But over the years, I've continued to lose my interest more and more. And when these types of situations with the lockout, I just don't think baseball has enough uh, built up to, to withstand an extended work stoppage. I, I really don't. Um, and so they, they've got some some deep issues to, to, to address and, and with fans, they got to figure some things out. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I, I want baseball to be even more relevant than it is. I don't know what it'll take for that to be the case, but, but I know this is, this is detrimental. Um, whereas like when the NFL had a lockout, it was almost like you were building up the excitement for it. Whereas I don't think baseball has that, that same benefit. I think it, it turns people off. They're like, all right, well, if they're not going to play, I'm, I'm moving on. And that's a, that's a dangerous spot to be in. So that, that makes me nervous. Yeah, I just, I mean, you lived in the glory days, Bryce, of the of the steroid era for baseball. Yeah, that was fun. That was one of the most, arguably the most popular modern era of baseball, just home run after home run after home run. I don't know, to have a lockout in the MLB at a time where they're already having to tinker to get increased viewership, that's just a horrendous timing for a lockout. Like, there's already, there's already, Oh, games are too long. How do we shorten the games? Oh, games aren't exciting. How do we increase more runs? So to have a lockout during this is kind of unfortunate. Uh, all my friends who are diehard baseball fans, it's just discouragement. Like, what are we doing? Can, yeah. I, and it seems to be that the the player side of things are – like, the, the players aren't at fault for my – buddies who are diehard baseball fans it's the front offices and the the league executives who seem to be now i haven't followed it a ton but who seem to be greedy don't want to pay more money to the players but it's just my thing is can we play less games is that is that a way to solve it they play so many games every game is so like it's impossible to tune in unless you are an absolute diehard it's impossible to tune in for your for your Tuesday night baseball game because there's, there's just so there's, many games. There's too there's too much content and there's just too much to do. There's too much out there. Yeah, they got to realize it. So we're not living it. It's not the same. It's not the same society and culture anymore. So you know, it's cool in the summer. All oh, there's a baseball game on every night. Your team plays every night, but people just they, they can't dedicate that that amount of time anymore. The length yeah. of games and then the number of games. It's kind of like the same conversation we we've, we've been having with baseball for a number of years. And they've only made minor changes. And it's just like it's kind of building, building, building. And hopefully this leads to some drastic changes. But they should make the play because the playoffs are great. And the playoffs, they, they go like this. Like I the know. one game wild card is like cool. But at the same time, it almost happens too fast. It's like, wait, oh, wait, that game was on. It was like at three o'clock in the afternoon yeah. on TBS. And oh, OK, well, I missed it. And now now that team's season is over. Is baseball I, the biggest? I don't know. Can any, can any other sports surpass baseball as perhaps the most boring regular season, the least entertaining regular season, and then jump to an incredible postseason? Because we'd all well, agree postseason – well, I love regular season basketball, so maybe that's just – I think college regular season college basketball is extremely exciting. Uh, but, again, that's just my opinion. But, like, postseason baseball is awesome. But regular season baseball is – Oh, it's just brutal to keep up with. So I don't know that the jump from regular season to postseason is, I think, probably greater than 
any other sport. And actually, uh, Luke, that's actually a good point because in, even with the NBA, the NBA, we're, we're more worried about the postseason and we're not really worried about the regular season because truth be told, the, the players aren't really worried about the regular season unless we hear something about the trade about the trade deadline and players being moved and being bought out. Not necessarily the action in and of itself. We'll get to when we get to the playoffs. We look at the All Star game. The All Star game isn't in really in the middle of the season. It's like the last twenty games of the season. So it's like a sprint to the end of the season, which is really what, which is really why people like this time of the season in the, in the NBA rather than the beginning of it. Um, another thing that the people like, and you would think that with all of this stuff going on, we wouldn't be short of NFL storylines. We still have NFL storylines going on. We've got the, we've got the, uh, we've got Aaron Rodgers went on a 12 day, 12 day fast or 12 day cleanse or whatever it was. And he's coming out and he's thankful, but not really thankful about anything in particular. We've got the NFL combine coming up. Uh, We've got the, we've got the, the franchise tag season opening up free agency is around the corner. So in the next couple of weeks leading up to the draft, what kind of storyline are you guys looking at? Well, I was going to do this whole segment today, but we've, we've run out of time as far as, What quarterbacks will should the team keep around and run it back, or is it time to move on? And and I'm fascinated with you know teams like the Niners and the Colts and the Broncos, like what direction they're going to go at the quarterback position, and you know of course where Aaron Rodgers uh, ends up. But it's all it's all about the quarterback. It just it, dic- it dictates so much. Um, and one thing I was thinking about too the the idea that a team has to finagle so much to be able to keep an MVP or franchise quarterback in order to be able to still have enough talent around him is not a great setup. Meaning the idea that uh, an NFL team is better off with a rookie quarterback because of his salary should Hmm. not work that way. You should be able you, you, the NFL wants its top quarterbacks, the, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's toward the end of their career to make as much money as they can because they are that valuable and that it shouldn't crush their salary cap to where they can't have anybody else around them. Now, Tom Brady always had to take less money, and so he always made it work, but he shouldn't have to do that. And, and so Aaron Rodgers absolutely should be the highest paid guy. They shouldn't have to do all the – I mean, I guess that, that, that's kind of always the case. You, you work the salary cap, and that, that, that's fine. But it shouldn't be for Arizona – they have to decide, all right, we're going to move on from Kyler Murray once, once he actually wants to you know, get the big deal, the big contract. That, that seems kind of crazy. So um, that's, the, that's, the, that's one big takeaway for me. But, Henry, uh, good show today, man. Appreciate you. I know you got a lot going on today, so we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, uh, guys. Talk soon. All right, buddy. Have a great one. Um, he's, he's got some, some baseball games going on there today. Uh, up in Connecticut, so appreciate Henry's efforts. But uh, but anyway, Henry, uh, Luke, that's what I was. That's what I've been thinking about. They got to figure out the salary cap system to where, yeah, the highest paid guys and the best te- should be on the best teams, and not be the issue. That is um, interesting because Kyler Murray's agent is basically saying, "Hey, because Kyler Murray is kind of ahead of schedule on trying to ask for big money. It's two years left on his contract." But they're almost making the argument on extend me now and you can 
kind of spread that money over seven years. If you give me a five-year extension, you could spread that money over seven years and be able to put players around me. Yeah. So that it is interesting. It's it's almost you get kind of stuck on we need a great quarterback to win, but if we pay top dollar money, can we actually fill out a team to win? So I don't know. That's why again, that's why I kept saying the Bengals are in win now mode before they have to pay Joe Burrow. Yeah, they have ja- they have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow on like rookie that. deals. The window is now. The window is now. So I you I don't know you you cannot say oh we'll just we'll get it later. You gotta you gotta try now while your best players are cheap. I would say the coach's salary and the quarterback salary should be outside of the salary cap. That's what they should figure out. Interesting. Starting quarterback and the coach. Yeah, let them pay what the what the value what their true value is to the team. And so you know with Sean McVay. He went out, all right, Amazon, give me $100 million. All right, he goes back to Stan Kroenke and says, hey, this is what's out there for me. Can you, can you <laughs> no, give me something? I just won you a Super Bowl. So, that is uh, smart. <laughs> and then you know, Aaron Rodgers goes, hey, I just won the MVP. I want to be the highest paid quarterback, yeah. allegedly. We don't know what he's saying. But hmm. um, All right, the other, the other thing that was interesting out of uh, Tampa Bay, Ali Marpet, the, the Pro Bowl lineman, retires yeah. at the age of 28. So we get After another seven young- seasons young guy retiring and, and so I saw a list of uh, NFL notable players who retired early and I'm just curious what what guy do you wish didn't retire early over the years who's well the, the guy I it wouldn't have mattered because I was I was too young but if I grew up watching Barry Sanders I feel like I would have wanted to watch more of him because his highlights are ridiculous and he only played eight seasons. So I, if I grew up watching him, I, I feel like I probably would have wanted a few more seasons because, again, his highlights are just insane. It's almost, though, it, because he left early, his... Left on a high. Left on an ultimate yeah, high. Memory's that much better. Because some of these other running backs, they sort of dwindle at the end of their career. Know, and like seeing Adrian Peterson for the Titans this season... Oh, it oh. hurts. It hurts. I want to remember him as a Viking. That's as true. As a Minnesota Viking. Yeah. But what? Then he went to, he went to, he played it for the Cardinals as well. Like, yikes. That just. Washington. Yeah. It leaves a sour taste Detroit. in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. You remember what they once were. Uh, obviously, I, I, I wouldn't, maybe this is your answer, but because you're, you love the Colts as well. Would you have wanted, would you have wanted more Andrew Luck? Of course. Yeah. That's yeah. the most disappointing, shocking, crazy unbelievable retire early guy for me as good as he was as as much potential there to just all of a sudden be done and then with no flirting of coming back i mean there's not at all not on his end um looks like he's lost all his weight and i mean it's just that's just crazy he looks good i uh, his college coach at stanford has been saying he's doing great father husband and he's doing awesome it seems like he made a really wise decision and he for for him and he was completely confident in it i mean think i mean the dude was getting rattled out there and especially for the buccaneers lineman i don't know if he was on the roster when they won the super bowl but if he was you won a super bowl you've made perhaps generational money and as a lineman you're 
it's a it's a contact position every single play. You're getting hit and you're hitting. And man, after seven seasons, it's time to walk away, do other things. Go for it. I think we we pretend we fall into the lie that all these guys want to do is play football. Professional athletes, the only interest they've ever had is playing pro sports. But who says this guy doesn't want to go do real estate? Who says he doesn't want to go open a restaurant? Who says he was, doesn't want to do other things? Like these guys, I don't think it's realistic to say all they want to do is play football, and that's the only thing that that's the only interest they have. True. So for it's him, fun. hey, I want to save my body. I want to lose all this weight that I have to maintain. That could be a great option. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for some guys like Tom Brady, they do want to they want to milk every last True. drop, and like Adrian Peterson. So, so there, but there are, yeah, different personalities and different interests. Uh, for some of these guys, they hit a certain financial number and they're good to go. And they're like, all right, oh, yeah. I've been hit. I've been hit enough. I'm <laughs> yes. ready to move on. So yeah. it's still rare though. I still, I, you know, most Definitely guys, rare. their career ends, it ends because the league told them it's over. We mm. don't want you anymore. I, I mean, yeah. that's a hard reality for so many of these guys. Hey, there's no more offers. You're, the offers are done. You're, yeah. And that's, that's, that's tough. Very um, tough. Because we, we, when we, we, when you had Benjamin Watson on the other day, he talked about that transition away from football is hard. Yeah. That's your whole identity. What do you do now? That's right. It, that, that's a scary thing walking away. I, I bet the fear of not playing is also a factor that keeps people in the game. I don't know mm. what I'll do. I guess I got to keep playing. Yep. Ah, it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, so another guy retires early. But, uh, Luke, great show today, man. Glad you made it back from skiing. Makes me jealous. It's been a couple years now since I've skied. Twenty nineteen. Are, are there good? I've never skied East Coast. Is it good skiing? It's okay, but the West is way better. Okay. Yeah. I've done New Hampshire, West Virginia, North Carolina, and New Hampshire was the best. Then West Virginia, and then North Carolina. Gotcha. So you know, I went to have State. So we had skiing. I took a class. That was I got class That's credit cool. for skiing. But Three it's hours, like you'll have. It's not just I, all icy. It's good. No, it's you very can, icy. Very it's icy. actually harder. I would say it's harder to ski in these conditions here. Oh, than, definitely. Than yeah. When you catch an ice patch, oh, it's hard. Really hard. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, well, I didn't, we didn't have time. We ran out. I went to Ray's Splash Planet yesterday. So let's we'll save that story for another show. Me and Maddie <laughs> had a big day at the indoor water park. So we, indoor uh, we water a, park. Interesting. We had, we had a full show today. So we'll save that as a little teaser. Uh, we'll get into some of these other NFL topics next week as well. But thanks, everybody, for listening live. Thanks, everybody, that listens on the podcast. And thanks so much to MetaShare, uh, our presenting sponsor. We will be back next Monday. And great to be with you today. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. Be sure to subscribe to the devotional, and let's stand out. Let's be different. Let's be set apart. Let's seek holiness as we follow Jesus. I'm Bryce. This has been Unpacking It, the Unpacking It live podcast presented by MetaShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. 
To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week. 